0: Welcome to Forever White Belt. I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Today on the show, I have 10th Planet's 10th female black belt under Eddie Bravo, Jennifer Dietrich. Jennifer is a fitness expert, health coach, martial artist, IFBB pro athlete, personal trainer, and nutritionist. She's an accomplished jujitsu competitor and 10th Planet headquarters coach. In the episode, we discuss mindset, self-talk, gymnastics, old school 10th planet stories, and much more. Okay, just a reminder, please give us a five-star review on Apple Music and Spotify and share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. Please leave us feedback and suggestions on how we can improve the show and consider becoming a patron at anchor.fm forward slash foreverwhitebelt. Like us on Facebook and TikTok at foreverwhitebelt and check us out on Instagram at foreverwhitebeltshow. Go buy your swag at teespring.com forward slash forever dash white dash belt. And if you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us at North Bay Jiu-Jitsu in the city of Novato. They're amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. They offer judo, kickboxing, and wrestling as well. Mention the podcast and get two weeks free. And with that, I give you Jennifer Dietrich. Jennifer welcome to the show thank you for having me I believe when I saw you first was a long time ago in these mastering the system videos at headquarters 10th planet headquarters in Los Angeles
1: I was okay that's how a lot of people there would be people out of towners that would come visit and everybody would know my name like what and then I forget I was in a lot of them back when I was a blue belt
0: I had this different idea of who you were because you were never really the on camera as much as obviously Eddie and the the technique and all the crazy stuff they were doing for mastering the system, sort of the show. And so I thought there was this tough group of people that, you know, were kind of rough and gruff and outgoing all the time, you know, and as we had Phil Schwartz on the show previously and and several other 10th Planet Black Belts from that era, I learned that you were all very unique personalities. And from what I understand, you were like this shy girl from Pennsylvania, correct?
1: Yeah. I actually moved a, a long time ago. It was well before I started jiu-jitsu. And I used to do fitness competitions. And that, I was a gymnast as a kid. And then I did fitness competitions as something I wanted to pursue. And then uh, I kind of got into what everybody's supposed to do for my area, it's just a smaller town. And I went to college to be a teacher. So I was a high school teacher and I taught biology and anatomy. And then when I moved out here, I just basically wanted to be in warmer weather. And right. my first teaching job out here, and then I wanted to get back into fitness competitions, which I did. And yes, I always was a very shy kid and adult, I'm better than I used to be, but um, (laughs) the the competing really helped me and I did the fitness competitions, they kind of died out and then it was figure, they were all really big and then they switched to bikini, it wasn't really my cup of tea, but I did it, a lot of people suggested it and I did it and that's when I got sponsorship and got my pro card, competed for a few years and then I missed competing for a skill. And then that's when I started jujitsu. Oh. When I did those competitions, that actually helped with my shyness. Part of the reason for hanging out to them for a little while was just to practice being up in front of somebody because that's more nerve-wracking. When I was on gymnastics or when I do jujitsu, it's like nervous being in front of people, but then there's a task at hand. about it. But when I was mm-hmm. on stage, it was a little bit more intense. I did both. When I was a white and blue belt, I was still doing those competitions. And then I stopped
0: and then just... To jiu-jitsu. it was really interesting to dive into your background and all those things you spoke about that actually you started in gymnastics and then going into this like fitness competition stuff which that world was is really perplexing to me because then you mentioned all these other facets one of them being bikini and people are like wait what's bodybuilding versus fitness competitions versus bikini. <laughs> yeah. And then I I looked into it more and I'm like, whoa, she's this totally other person than I thought she was. All of a sudden your hair is down, you have this like really elaborate sort of tan, you're yeah. in the spotlight, you're on stage, you're in heels and the whole, and you're posing like very professionally. And it was just sort of mind blowing to see, to be frank.
1: Yeah, I, I was never crazy about the name that they named the division because then a lot of people would think that it's not what it was. gotcha but i just got into it because when i started with fitness they did a routine that was similar to gymnastics the physique round came with it so i was like i don't make the rules i wasn't crazy about that stuff i mean i love working out and building muscle but just the on-stage posing i didn't really like but they just went together and i still wanted to compete in something and so that's how it started then when there was no more routine you know i put all that time in building my physique and so that's kind of why i continued again the, the tan hair makeup heels i was never crazy about but then i was just like i you know i love training and everything and then the whole stage thing like i said i i like to do things that also just help grow as a person right and i would just be so uncomfortable even though people would say I don't look at it but i'd be so uncomfortable but it just helped me and and that at that time is when I switched careers and started my own personal training business. So just, mm-hmm. you know, just in, in every way, I felt like it helped. Again, wasn't crazy about the whole tan stuff. But then when I started jujitsu, I fell in love with that, like gymnastics is a kid. I'm going to do forever. The other one I knew I wasn't doing forever.
0: For those of us who don't know, since this is primarily like a jujitsu podcast, what is fitness competition in, in that whole realm? Can you explain what that stuff even is?
1: Well, some of it's changing now, and they have other divisions that I'm not aware of because I Mm. don't follow it anymore. There was a lot of things about that world that I didn't really like that I didn't know until I was in it. But Mm. the fitness competitions, what they were when I did them is you did a routine. It was either a minute and a half or two minutes. And there were certain requirements like one-arm push-ups and strength holds, but there were a lot of former gymnasts that did it. So I did a lot of gymnastics in it. And then Mm -hmm. there was a physique round where you did posing. It was just quarter turns, like you stand Mm -hmm. in a muscular stance and you do quarter turns. And so they judge you on both. And then when they started what was called figure, that's the same as fitness, except it's the physique only. So that blew up because that gave a lot of women opportunity who didn't have the skill to compete in something. but I was bored. Like the fitness part, the routine part was the main reason why I did. And then everything in that bodybuilding world, they get bigger and bigger. Like the bikini division is now bigger than when I started. And then they came out with bikini, which was really the same. And they kind of do a little prance around as I call it. And the posing is different. And that changed mm-hmm. throughout. It was very basic when I started it, cause I got my pro card the very first year and I was like, I don't think I could do that whole prancing around. Somebody was like, just try it, go ahead. And it was just more my size because the figure somebody told me you'll have to do substances I don't think you want to do, which I wouldn't. And so that was like out of the question and then i went to the bikini i wasn't crazy about the name like i said but that's what they called it and all of them they were bikinis but then i had got sponsorship got my pro card that's when i changed career so everything happened it was i felt like it was kind of the bridge and then i just miss i was just competing in that and i just missed training skill you know that's when women were getting popular in mma like ronda rousey coming in i actually met ronda rousey my first I think it was my first week of jiu She stopped in at our gym when we were burping temporarily. And so that's, you know, and I just fell in love with it. It just felt like gymnastics to me. It's like barefoot on the mats again and just training for the skill.
0: I want to touch on um, jiu-jitsu and how that has integrated into your life. And what was your journey like?
1: I always joke because... Like now I'm one of the instructors that teach the fundamentals. But when I started, there weren't any fundamentals classes. So when people ask, like, oh, have you always been with Eddie? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, literally from day one, because there weren't any fundamentals classes. And I learned powder cake my very first day. Some people don't even know what that is. And it was like, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> so it, it was, you know, it was just the advanced class. But I like that it helps you kind of feel like you have to catch up and then you move a little bit faster. When I got my blue belt, I remember that one, that one sticks in my head because Phil and Nathan used to be in LA a lot and Mm. then Boogie and Gio used to come up from San Diego all the time. So that Mm. was like very inspiring. They were always there when I was like a white and blue belt and Gio and Nathan got their black belts when I got my blue belt. Yeah, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, but I competed right away because I wanted to get over the nerves. So when I was in white belt, my very first competition, somebody said something about standing up at the beginning of it. And I said, we don't stand up. And he's like, yeah, you're going to stand up. And I said, we don't stand up in class. And they're like, but you're going to at the tournament. I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) And then I said to Eddie, I'm like, how am I supposed to get to the ground? And he's like, yeah, you may want to pull guard. Your wrestling's a little green. I was like, green? It's non-existent. But I I like to do that because then I feel like I'm less nervous. The less I know, so like just jump in. So I was a few months in and did my first one. And then I just... You know, listen to Eddie and Geo said the same thing. And Nathan, it's like, just compete as much as you can. So I just yeah. signed up for as many as I can, white and blue belt. And then blue belt, I competed the most. And I feel like had the most injuries. It felt like forever, even though it wasn't. I was so ready. Like when I got, I remember when I got my blue belt, I was like, oh, like already? ready. But then when I got my purple belt, I was like, oh, it's about time. I just got so sick of the. <laughs> it just felt like forever, even though it wasn't. Yeah. But I had not got a lot of experience with that. And then unfortunately for the women, there's less and less opportunity to compete. So even when I was white and blue belt, I mean, now there's more women, so it's better. But when I was white and blue belt, I would guess about a third of the time I had to go up in weight class because there was yeah. nobody in my weight class. You know, I, I always said yes and just did as many as I could. There was an Mm in-house one at our gym the one time where it was – There were no women that signed up, so I want to get guys. But I just did whatever I could to get more experience. And then at Purple and Brown, it was just less like there were ones I would enter, and there wouldn't be anybody even in a higher weight class or anything. And fortunately, now there's more opportunities and it's growing more. But it's Mm -hmm. not like I I miss it when I was like a white and blue belt, and it's just like you could sign up for whatever one, and there's going to be somebody, even if I have to go up a weight class. I, I mean, I think there was only one or two times where I had three people people like where I have three matches. I definitely do miss that just having the option. Now I was like, I remember when I got my brown belt, I was like, before submissions on the shore came out and a few of the other ones started having females. I was like, it's ADCC trials and no gi <laughs> worlds. And that's it. Because there, wow. there was one I entered and I had credit for two years. There was just nobody, like a brown belt, like ever, like a local one. And I just wanted that to warm up for the other ones and just stay active. Like I liked staying active, but I didn't have the option. And then the following year, that's they had submissions on the shore. That was a great opportunity. Then, of course, after that, the pandemic kind of shook things as well
0: on youtube it seems to be a couple of these matches of yours that come up i don't know they're twenty 2013 or something i don't know who knows when they really happened but what i see you did at that time i'm not even sure what belt you're at at this point is you're jumping over someone's head and you're getting kind of like a sort of like a headlock type of thing and then you're spinning this is like a standing and then you're spinning to their back and then the fight proceeds sort of from there was that like your go-to for a while yeah,
1: I actually did that at, I think, All Belts when I competed. That's one of my go-tos, a front headlock and snap them down. Mm. Usually go to the back, have other options. That's wow. definitely one of my favorite,
0: having the front headlock. I know that you are working on a book. How has that progressed?
1: that is I'm working in tiny, tiny, tiny increments. (laughs) Last on the list, that's how I used to talk about it. And then I was like, the bulk of it is done. But that idea I had a long time ago, when I first got into health and fitness, I just always talk about the power of the mind, how important that is. And just I mean, from when I was a teenager, up until now for women, It's like saying negative stuff about their body and Mm -hmm. just like their health and fitness journey. And then when I compete, it like hearing it too. So the book focuses on that. It has some of the traditional health and fitness tips. But Mm -hmm. the main thing is, and this is what I talked about when I did some speaking as well, just Mm -hmm. how they think. Like somebody on jujitsu once said to me, she's like, you're the only woman that I never heard say anything negative about their body. And of course, practice what I preach, but Mm -hmm. it's just very interesting. You hear that all the time. And mm-hmm. then I feel like other women need to because part of me feels like as if I'm supposed to join in, and it's sometimes even kind of awkward, not. but it's like, Oh, I don't like my thighs or oh, I don't like this. And I just sit there quiet, because, you know, in any part of your life, it's not good just focusing on the negative, like, I would like to see that changed. And a lot of the book is about that, like changing how you think, then, of course, you know, change the mental, the physical comes into play a lot easier.
0: There's a book called uh, The Four Agreements. And I know that's one of the things that they emphasize in the book, too, is the power of words and that whole self talk becomes yeah. almost like a realization in a way.
1: Yeah, I love that book. I, that's what I, in my personal training sessions with my clients, I always say that I only have one hard rule that they can't say anything negative about their body or health during the sessions. And hopefully they take that elsewhere. And it's just surprising. Sometimes they don't even realize how much they say it until I tell them that rule and then they go to say, say something. And sometimes it might not even be their body. Like I had a client once, she's always like, oh, I'm so weak. And I told her to stop saying that. It, well, it wasn't true anyway, or I don't know who she was comparing herself to. But I was like, you have to change that to I'm so strong or to say it out louder to yourself. But she literally physically got stronger at a faster rate once she stopped saying that. And so, in, you know, I'm not eating well, or I shouldn't eat this or feel guilty for eating this. Just like all of it. There's just a lot of that. I mean, with men as well, but with women even more. And it's just all the time. When I was a teenager, I could remember a friend being like, I'm so fat. And I was like, I was genuinely confused. Because I was like, you know, I'm just a kid. And I'm like, we're the same size. Like, do you think I'm fat too? (laughs) She was like, no. I'm like, we're the same size clothes. What are you talking about? I didn't yeah. know. I was like, it's this crazy. doesn't even make any logical sense.
0: It's so pervasive, though. Oh, yeah.
1: It. Yeah, definitely. Well, and so that's why on jiu-jitsu, and I talk about that, like, because for us, weight comes up because when you compete, like, which weight class? Sure. And that's the other thing I notice. I would say at least 80% of the time when a coach or somebody else, like, talking about competition, like, how much do you weigh, a lot of times I hear a follow-up, like, if they're like, you know, I'm 130, but I'm a little bit thicker now, or but, or there's something negative or something that needs to be said instead of that's I always encourage like just say the way and that's it there doesn't have to be anything attached to it
0: I know I've heard you mention before that the book was you were thinking about the topic being the mental aspect of health and fitness and that does traverse into sort of every part of life in a way in terms of jujitsu too I I know people are often telling themselves and sometimes it's, it's true so you know someone's stronger than me someone's bigger than me I remember watching even the early days of the 10th Planet arm-ups. I always wanted to go to 10th Planet, but I'm like, I can't do a handstand. I can't do these gymnastic things that they do. You know, And I, and I was intimidated out of it. Do you hear people like that? that oh, like, yeah.
1: Because I tell my students, sometimes they're like, I can't. I'm like, don't say I can't. And then I'm like, you're just starting it. Remember, like myself included, we we're all there day one where we weren't able to do it. And even one time somebody else pointed out just when we started doing the walking on our hands in the warm ups, and a couple of people like commented like, oh, of course I could do it because I was on gymnastics. But yeah. I still had a day one where I couldn't. It was a long time ago, but it's not like I just magically could walk on my hands the first time I tried it. We all had our, and, you know, the progression to that. So that, yeah, I'm big on that whenever um, students say I can't or I'm not good at this or whatever it may be. Like you could say you need to work on this. It's challenging for me right now. Just try to use different different works and then just realize that. I feel like that comes up the most. And I remember myself, too, with jujitsu being different. I feel like jujitsu is similar to gymnastics in a sense. Like I did a little bit of high school track and field. it's like everybody knows how to run. Of course, you can improve on it and get faster. It's not like somebody joins and is like, I have no idea what to do. Whereas gymnastics and jujitsu, there's like a lot to it. So it's not like you just join and could do all the moves. Start with small steps and work your way up there. And it just takes time. And I just remind them, like when I'm teaching something new, when I was teaching rubber guard and a student had a few times, or like, it really hurts my wrist. I'm like, I know, I used to think that I was going to submit myself. I'm like, and I was told, and he was like, you'll get used to it. And I used to think to myself, really? that seems impossible. It hurts so much. And then now it's mm. like nothing. So I like them mm. the same thing. I'm like, but it just takes time. And sometimes when I tell them the amount of time, like, I just held the crackhead control for like three to six months until I could do anything with it. And then they're mm. like, Oh, So I, I really like to remind them where I was at because they just look at you where you are now. Yeah, And I'm like, I did this for so long or I, you know, everybody used to pass my guard. And then Eddie told me I needed to start sitting down no matter who it was against. And I was like, I joke everybody and their mother passed my guard. I like their moms came in and they just passed my guard easy. <laughs> I'm like, but eventually I got better at it. I, and, you know, and they don't see it that way because they didn't see me then. And they're just new, white belt now, learning mm-hmm. it. But, yeah, just the time, like what you're saying. It's like if you come in and you just take little steps, sometimes somebody can't do the handstand and they just practice doing the handstand. Eddie talks about that often. He's like, doing this is to show you that a little bit each day you'll get better at something, you know, just mm-hmm. like jujitsu.
0: I like that because you come in with a more encouraging approach. Can you do that like on an individual level? These introductory classes I imagine are pretty big classes. Everyone probably has different challenges.
1: Yes. I mean, obviously when it comes up and they say I can't, there's somebody that I have private lessons with, so of course she hears more of it. And then ones that I roll with a little bit more often. A lot of times I'll have like a talk at the beginning, not every class, but every so often and talk about various things. I talk about them working on their strength and flexibility and cardio if needed outside of class, emphasize the flexibility, how much that comes in handy. And not only, you know, I, I say everybody thinks about rubber guard or crotch ripper or things like that and i need to be flexible i'm like but it's with everything they don't realize like even in the mount just the flexibility or legs just to get a tighter mount, and just a, a lot of things that they don't think of to work on that. And then I also talk about the class, how I try to make it most efficient and pair them up so they get the most reps and then say just, and the reason being is that's what makes you better, just getting in more reps. And yeah, I try to be as big as I can, because I also know everybody learns at a different rate. When I was a high school teacher, you know, I learned a lot from teaching. You know, everybody has different body types and everybody has different learning curve. I just encourage them to do what they can and just to keep working on it. Everybody's not going to be at the same pace, but all you can do is work on yourself and Mm -hmm. try to get better.
0: What do you think makes a great jujitsu student?
1: One that pays attention and does follows along with what's being taught in class. And then a lot of times just learning how... I think so many are different. The main thing is just paying attention and doing what the instructor tells you to do because they're the ones doing whatever it is, whether it's me or somebody else for a reason, so that you get the most out of class. Besides that, because when people say, sometimes they'll ask me, like, how much to train and how much to do this and how much to do that. And I'm like, everybody has a different schedule. So that's something mm-hmm. you need to figure out because some people may not be the best at planning or being efficient at what's best for them. So if they married with kids, this, that, like a schedule where they don't have a lot of time. You have to see how to use that time wisely, mm-hmm. and then also one student may be great at cardio. They don't need to work that much on their own. So then you put your time in towards something else that are already really strong. So maybe put extra time in towards flexibility, or some are really flexible. Maybe you need to put in some extra time in the strength, and depending on what they want to do with it. And that's why that's why when you ask that question, it's kind of a loaded question because it's like, do you want to compete or you just have? I'm like, I'm making it the most efficient for all of you guys. But some people don't care as much as others. And that's not a bad thing. And same thing when I was a high school teacher, there's students that are crying over a B and there's students that are jumping up and down for a C. So it's like, I don't know if you want an A or how much jujitsu is important to you in your life compared to other parts
0: of your life. It's interesting that you started with pay attention because in school you're forced to go to school. With jujitsu, it's like we're paying for it.
1: You'd be surprised. I was just talking about it recently because when I was a high school teacher, I used to say paying attention is half the battle. I think one of my students even like made a poster for the board. I used to say it <laughs> I that agree. The time. I would always give like an extreme example. I'm like, if you were getting knee surgery done by the best surgeon in the entire world, you'd feel pretty good about that, right? What if they did surgery on the wrong knee? The paying attention is important. And I would just see how often students, because I would know them in class, so I would know Mm. pretty much what they know. And then on a test, they would not be paying attention and read it incorrectly. And it was just about not paying attention. And I also say like, if you're not writing down, if you're paying attention and writing it down, of course, that's best. If you're not paying attention, then you're missing it. So even if you're good at studying, it's not there to study. And yes, it's a little better in jujitsu, but, and I could be wrong about this, but I heard in general, I think Eddie even talked about it once, typically a third of the people or 30% pay attention. There are times where I'll be teaching something and what I just said five seconds ago, and like somebody will ask a question. Like exactly what I just said, like to the T. Obviously, they miss that. And I don't fault them because I know when I was a white belt, it was so overwhelming. So I am listening to everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is so much. And then it's like, what did they just say? Or when I teach, I always show like the arms and then I'm like, okay, now the legs and then put them together because I would be watching and I'm like, Okay, he's doing this with his arms and doing this. And then I was like, Okay, now what is he doing with his legs? And it'd be like, Okay, you know, go do the drills. And then I was like
0: <laughs> what happened yeah
1: <laughs> yeah miss that so <laughs> yeah. just you know if you pay attention to what's going on and then follow up with your own notes i feel like it's best and where you want to improve and coming up with a plan i feel like in most parts of life like even when i do it my clients just with health and fitness whether it's that or with jujitsu like coming up with a plan because everybody's different you know a lot of times people like to do like suggested to me the flow chart or it's like if this doesn't work then you could go to this and my brain doesn't work like that I like lists and bullet points. Mm -hmm. When I'm working on what I want to improve on in jujitsu, I can't have too many different things or then I feel like nothing gets done. So I usually have like three in like three different areas. Sometimes I say three and a half it would be like a sweep, but like three different submissions, three different areas, just say like something from rubber guard, then some kind of choke and then some kind of leg lock. I might have like a sweep too from the rubber guard. But if I like keep focusing on those until I get them and then I'll come up with new ones or sometimes there'll be something off that until I start working on something again. Mm. But just like having a plan with your strength and conditioning and flexibility work and what classes you're gonna go to, you know, I already have that planned out, what well, you're going to work on, getting to class early and staying till the end, because i a big believer in quality over quantity, because I could only go a certain amount of time. And I always, my whole time, I wish with the distance, I always wish I could go more often. But I would go to Burbank some in the beginning too. So that was closer and also HQ. But when I'm there, I'm there early getting in all the warmups and like getting in X amount of roles instead of somebody may go twice as much. Then like they miss the beginning. They may not do like all the roles. And really, when you add it all up, it comes out to the same thing, even though they may be there more days.
0: So going back to paying attention, do you feel like you can pick up when you're losing people when you're teaching and you look over at John and Jill and one eye's going one way and one eye's going the other way, you know, and you're like, Oh, God, I've lost them.
1: Well, it's funny, because with jujitsu, it's hard. A lot of time, I'm demonstrating something. So I'm not looking at them. When I was in right. high school, yeah, you could definitely see it. And I'd always try to make it more exciting. This, right. They want to be there. And I always encourage questions. So after I'm like, do you need to see that again? Does anybody have any questions? So that kind of clarifies. And then usually I know when they start doing the drill and then I'm like, oh, a lot of people are getting stuck on this. If one person is one or two, it's getting stuck on certain things and it's like I could just help them. Or if I feel like across the board, do you know what I mean? There's something I need to focus on more. I'm like, everybody's kind of getting stuck at this certain part. But when I look at them, no, normally everybody seems pretty engaged.
0: Yeah. Or they look like it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah. they look like it. But until they drill, right?
1: (laughs) Right. But I mean, I've been there, like sometimes you just have a lot going on and, you know, I'm there and I'm watching and then I'm like, I don't know, it just happened because I was in my head about something else that's on my mind.
0: You talk about plans and I realized at White Belt, you really, at any belt really in jujitsu, you need to start and correct me if you think this is a different type of viewpoint. You need to take ownership of your jujitsu. Because in the beginning, I thought my instructor is the all-encompassing. They're going to lay out a plan for me. I follow the plan to the T and I'm going to be a black belt. What it seems like also is there are other factors, things that you mentioned like uh, diet, fitness, uh, sleep, whatever it may be, in addition to plus going into open mats with what I've heard people call with intention and things like that. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm just a very big planner in general. So I always had a plan. And of course, whatever Eddie would say, then I would listen to him. But like you said, it's not like they're going to have this detailed map for everything. And outside of it, like that, yeah, you're on your own. And you know, he used to say about working stuff like outside of jujitsu, but there were certain things like, you know, and he's like, I just want you to start sitting down or why. And even to this day, I was asking him like different options, go, go path and like always ask. And sometimes... I think because i want a specific answer (laughs) i feel like it's kind of good for me because it's like you know whatever you whatever you think there's been a couple times i'm like should i work on this or this or this or this and sometimes he'll tell me like certain things but it's never like too specific which i think is good because everybody develops their own path and he was even talking about the high level rubber guard players and like they all do different paths and so whatever you know and i would try to a lot of times what i would pick were things that felt more comfortable i'm assuming just because my gymnastics background there's certain things Mm. that feel more comfortable where if I rep them a thousand times, I'll feel like I could get it. And then there's certain things I feel like if I rep ten thousand times, it's still gonna not be good. It feels awkward, you know, thinking that or, or something off the game that I already have. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely think having a plan for yourself is best. Plus there's like the coach and there's so many students. So it's not like they could have a detailed plan for everybody.
0: I've watched several of your YouTube videos and under that channel, when I look for your stuff, you're talking about all kinds of wonderful stuff in terms of like mindset, specific uh, training techniques and things like that. Does a lot of this apply to jujitsu practitioners as well in terms of like, uh, can we do specific type of training for what we do?
1: Yes. I mean, of course, it's what I do, but I think everybody needs to, no matter what they do, if they don't do a sport or if they do a sport, but definitely specific to whatever your need. Like I said, some people are a little bit different. Like my cardio is my weakest. So when I'm hmm. getting ready for a competition, that's something that I do outside of jujitsu class and make sure I get as many hard rolls as I can to work on the cardio in there. The strength, since I've worked on that prior to jujitsu so much, That's something that I still keep up on some, but it's still better than my cardio without having to keep up on it as much. That same finding, the flexibility always. And it it kind of goes back to my gymnastics days. At the end of gymnastics, we always did strength and flexibility work. So I was kind of used to that. So
0: that's such an amazing foundation to have.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. That's like Eddie has always said, it's just, it helps it. He's like, you have with a lot of people that when they come in, they don't have the body awareness, Mm -hmm. you know? So being able to know where you are when you're flipping upside down in the air, then it makes sense easier for jujitsu it also helped a lot with the uh, balance and big face like yeah. balance beam like yep. balance and
0: face in jujitsu yeah i spoke with another black belt and who was a gymnast also in my courier very high level gymnast and we were talking about boogie and, and geo as well and how they were breakdancers, dancers breakdancers, oh, yeah. and how breakdancing is such a wonderful uh, fantastic uh foundation as well and then i was sort of like It sort of is gymnastics in a way in a different type of capacity, don't you think?
1: Yeah, a lot of them flipping around, but they, I feel, definitely have a much bigger benefit from having that background because... Mm. They're doing it with somebody. Mm. And if you ever ever seen some of the videos, like a lot of times there's like two people together mm-hmm. and they're like constantly moving. Right. That's how jujitsu is. Because there's a few things from gymnastics that I felt like hindered me, which when you do gymnastics and when you compete, you know exactly what you're going to do. And you do your routine thousands of times. When you're there you're like this is it i need to do it perfect and i have one chance whereas jujitsu i had to like change my way of thinking because it's like you don't necessarily have to do it perfect and if it doesn't work you could go to something else and everything's always changing there was like the unknown factor like Hmm. that person's moving and doing whatever else a lot of times i'd get a little hesitant because it was like in gymnastics it's like pause do it perfect or you're screwed and especially if you're on the beam (laughs) Like I said, jujitsu, it's just like, you know, it's like you don't know what's going to happen. And it's not like, you know, the apparatus is not moving. So I feel like they have that where, you know, they're both moving parts. And then that's how it is, you know, just like people that come in from wrestling.
0: That's a fascinating perspective about the limitations of each discipline. These things, you know, not being the end all be all. But boy, is it a huge advantage to know how to move your hips. And as you mentioned, your spatial awareness is it's so huge.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes a difference. I did have to work on my butterflies. That's always been the joke because oh. I'm so used to pointing my toe.
0: Ah, so yes, I, go, I see. When
1: I go upside down, so keeping it flexed and hooking. You want
0: that straight. I yeah, I yeah.
1: <laughs> would have to say over and over, flex your foot, flex your foot, flex your foot. Flex your foot. Wow.
0: So where's your game at now in terms of jujitsu, and and where do you want it to go?
1: I'm always just wanting to obviously do as best as I can, and I like to be well-rounded. That's was kind of my plan going in. Like you definitely want to be killer at certain things, but have something from everywhere. Like I didn't want to be like the guard player that always in guard, Mm -hmm. and then if they don't like the people that like just do the one main thing that they're known for, and then if they eventually you know, there's going to come a time where they can't get whatever it is that they're good at. And then it's like, what are you going to go to? So to always keep developing, you know, like rubber guard, I did certain parts of it in competition and then develop it more. Like now I'm working something new that I've never done in the competition, like to be able to do that. Same thing in mount, going for different submissions from mount. And then also um, a little bit leg locks, some different sweeps, just trying to expand as much as I can.
0: Have you always been exploring?
1: Yes. I I always like to, I mean, sometimes I get caught up, like I'm like, maybe I should work on this. I don't know. Maybe I should work on that.
0: But I mm-hmm. just listen
1: to what Eddie says. And recently he was talking about, because then I was like, maybe I should get into leg locks more. But then he was like talking about people that like the leg locks, they end up hitting a wall. So you have mm-hmm. to be able to like pass and smash. And he's like, your defense is good. You know, just stick with where you're at, where you're at. So, you know, I dabble in, a little bit just to have that option. If the others didn't work, I don't want to be like, I don't want to feel like completely clueless anywhere, but still working on new passes. And again, like when you know, just recently working on the isosceles triangle when head and arm doesn't work, a lot of my game changed recently when we did have the pandemic and there were less women, and then working with the guys more so. So that's why, even the rubber guard with Dead Orchard, their shoulders are too broad. I have to change my game. Mm. The I, over time, I typically pick the back, and if it's a woman, I still pick the back. But then with the guys, even if I have in a great choke, they just like using their strength and I can't finish sure. it. So then I started choosing spiderweb and getting better at that.
0: I am especially appreciative that you brought in the notion of training with men. Were you primarily with women only? Was that sort of your focus?
1: Well, I made up a story in my head that there was going to be a lot of women. I think, like I said, when I saw like Ronda Rousey, I was just-, yeah. I was just no. saying,
0: In the beginning, no, no I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, but that's like, you know, everybody has a story that they make up <laughs> when they're coming into how it's going to be. And especially when I was on gymnastics, it was all women, fitness competition was all women. I was just used to being around all women. And then when I came in and there was only a handful, and then I was like, oh, and then it was- for me it took a while just the whole like if I if I know somebody well like you know love to go in for a big hug but if I don't know somebody well I'm typically not that person. So you know what I mean just like the contact and everything get used to it fairly quickly but then I was just like oh this is how it is. So then with that I always just try to choose one closest to my size. I was a mm. training partner and Most of the time over the years, you know, people come and go or people move or Derek Rayfield, he's like a grown adult now and like, I think over six feet tall, but when he was 13, he was my size. Wow. (laughs) He was my main training partner. Then so a lot of times there'd be, you know, then he grew. And like I said, another Ryan, he was, he just moved. He was close to my size. So that helps, just having a similar side, because I'm thinking to myself, since I compete, what would I do in competition? And so that's why I want mm-hmm. somebody close to my size. Obviously, gotcha. there's a woman that's that's even better. But when I'm training with a guy, you know, his shoulders are really broad. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to do a head and arm choke. That's not going to happen. But if it was a woman, it could possibly mm-hmm. have just the strength, even if their skill's not that high like just the strength difference makes such a big difference so i change my game a lot according to them but it's good mm. and it just expands my game
0: so you do see that as a benefit it seems like there's two, a couple different aspects of it one is like the sport perspective and how you would adjust and then also there's the self-defense consideration as well or realization
1: yeah because that's the other thing i was going to say when when i'm teaching and i I always try to encourage whenever I was just saying it to my students, when the men are rolling with the women to make sure that like, even if they're taking up off some of their strength to make sure they're still going for submissions and not mm. just kind of not doing much being a little too delicate with them. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, if they compete, that's not how the woman's going to be right. She's going to be going in, you know, like, yeah, she's yeah. not going to be as strong, but she's going to be trying to submit them. And then I'm like, God forbid, they're on the streets and something like this happens. They're not gonna, you know what I mean? Just be like, how you are just being real light and not really doing anything, encourage them, you know, not to get too spazzy, so they don't get injured, but to go in there and try to submit them. And so they can get their work and defending and knowing what to do.
0: I have a a friend, John, from another podcast who made a really great point or observation about how these weekend self defense courses for women or something like that. He saw it as almost a disservice to not make them feel what is it really like for a man to be on you in a way, you know, to feel that. And and granted, we're all different proportions, et cetera. But do you think there's any sort of validity to that or considering that?
1: Well, I have a few different thoughts on that because it's, well, part of me is like learning something is better than nothing at all. So maybe they'll happen to remember something when it Mm. happens. And I've had personal training clients that asked me to show them some stuff. Of course, if you join jujitsu and then you're on it, then it's like second nature. And you want mm-hmm. it to be second nature without having to think about it.
0: So. I guess it was the false perspective of, or maybe, I don't know if it's even false, but it's one of this expectation that a kick in the nuts, a poke in the eyes is going to make you safe. And his argument was, you know what, you're better just making noise and running away, if that's possible. Dude, now, when, I'm paraphrasing.
1: When students have asked, I'm like, you don't want to engage. You do want to mm-hmm. run if you can. I'm like, this is for worst case scenario if you can. But I do say jujitsu is more, most important because if they do know any kind of stand up, you're definitely not going to have the advantage i also say there's the fight and freeze is very real Mm -hmm. so i that's why i say like you know you could be third degree black belt and then you don't know how you're going to respond that happens and then they could possibly freeze that's why i say there's like so many different factors if you happen to get hit and knocked out then you can't do anything but yeah definitely not engaging is first and foremost and if you can get away But like I said, jujitsu is great because if you are backed into a corner and you're on your back, there's the possibility of a leg triangle and being able to choke them.
0: So you do then see the merits of gender cross-training?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because just being able to feel it, you know, on somebody their size and what you would do, and then, you know, you can hit them, elbow them while they are in the triangle. But I definitely, I know somebody that she used to, somebody who thinks she was nuts because she'd always roll with like brand new white belts and they're like, oh, they're all spazzy and this and that. And she was mm. like, her goal, like it's practicing more for something like that, that happens on the streets. And she's like, this is most typical to the streets. Mm. I was like, that's a good point as well. People make a lot of good points because it's, you know, because sometimes women come to the classes and they don't want to train with men or it's the same thing at self-defense. And then, like I said, it's better that they learn something rather than nothing. But then, like you said, if it's not a man coming at them, and even if they are training with men, like when I'm training with men, they're not being super aggressive. Like that, that real violence of somebody coming at you is going to
0: be totally different. Right. But I mean, you get that general feeling of what it's like to have a man's weight on on you
1: and, and how much it is a difference in strength. I think some guys don't even realize or when I try to describe it and they're like, oh, mm. it's not that much of a difference. And they don't know, of course because they're just going against other men. But I'm like, when I go against men that are literally five to 10 pounds more than me, and it's like, you know, they think it's like, not that bad. It's exhausting, like just Mm. the upper body strength difference, very exhausting. And it's like more than they think it might be.
0: Can you tell me a time when you or times when you experienced something in jujitsu that changed the direction of the approach to your jujitsu?
1: What comes to mind is, and like I was talking about before about the thinking, I feel like when I was in matches early on, if I was in a position I didn't want to be in, like I would just be like... And then I'm like, I have to, I, you know, say that to myself. And I'm like, I need to stop saying that to myself. I need to say, like, it's fine. And I need to, and like I said, I used to be a little bit more hesitant. And I'm like, just go for the submission. And at the beginning, I remember, like, white and blue belt, I would stand for too long, if not, full guard and a lot of times it'd be going into overtime and there wouldn't be much jujitsu going on at all and so it was that not saying that and then also like just going for the submission and just going for it and i remember when i did that and it was like yeah like i was like don't say like to myself if i'm in a bad position just say like this is fine you'll get out of it Hmm. and then also i remember the one tournament i was just like i just said the points I'm just going to go for a sub, you know, even if I lose because it wasn't points. And I'm like, I'm just going to go for it and just wow. like have that mentality. And then mm. I did get it.
0: Did you have a strategic approach at first?
1: I always had a plan in terms of like what moves I'm specifically going for. Mm. But in the back of my head, I would always be like, well, it's points. So it's kind of like you don't want to necessarily give a point. That's the nice thing about sub only. It's just like it's not even in your head. But then I felt like with something like that, then it's like I could just kind of go for it more and just my own stuff because I would hesitate. And then it's like the points are in the back of my head where it's like, well, you still want to win and not just be like not thinking about them. But I felt like for me, it like held me back. And Mm. even now, I feel like I've come to a point where I could have them there, but it not be holding me back. Or definitely not like as much. Like I say, if it's sub only, then it's like that's what you're doing anyway. But I kind of just wanted to prove to myself, like you know, how would I be if I just say that and just forget about the points and mm-hmm. just like go in with my game and see if it works without even being concerned about it? Because I, I, it was one, and I've done this a few times where I, I bait the double leg and I let them double leg me because then I could get overhook full guard, and go right to run the guard. But I obviously give up the points. And there was a time where it didn't, you know, it didn't work, and then they won by the two points. I just felt. Bad that are, you know, and Eddie talked about that. He's like, I'd rather you or anybody see a match where you're really going for it. And then, you know, everybody gets caught at You know, that could happen, but that you're like making sure that you're going for it.
0: Can you tell me a time that you wanted to quit?
1: Time that I wanted to quit. I, I can't say that I have ever wanted to quit. Hmm. I, I'm always like, don't give me too much credit because I, I'm always like everybody has their thing and some people are opposite ends of the other. And I know they talk about staying with it, but I'm the opposite personality where I will stay with something if I don't like it, just to like finish it through. Mm-hmm. So then if I do like something, you know, like when I started, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be doing this for the rest of my life. You know, that was also like, that's always my first priority, making sure I take care of my body because I'm doing this forever. I mean, there are times that I was frustrated and times where I'm like, you know, people talk about getting to a plateau. yeah, And it seems like you're not improving. I'm like, yeah. There are times I'm like, am I re- regressing? <laughs> I don't <even laughs> feel like I'm retro. I feel like I'm regressing, but I I never wanted to quit. Like I, like I said, the general frustrating, or you know, sometimes tired and not wanting to go to class. Like, and again, I don't say that to toot my own horn. Just because, like I say, that's it's just not my personality. For me, it's like I feel more like guilty taking days off or anything like that. I'm good, especially if I like something. Good at being consistent with it.
0: Advice to those that are frustrated because they haven't won gold yet in a competition.
1: Oh, I would just say what was told to me. Eddie's like, it's all practice until you're black belt. So I just went in and thinking of it as practice, just because of my background as a kid on sports. Like I was just like, oh, it's the worst that can happen. I lose. It's not a big deal everybody looks at it different but i also say like assess why you're doing it what you get out of it i'm a big believer in everybody should be at least once because i think it's good for you you know to learn more about yourself okay. but some people like really have zero interest i feel like if you're afraid to then you definitely should it's obviously kind of want to you're thinking about it but some people just have no interest like they're just doing it somebody took lessons playing the piano and they just want to know a few things It doesn't mean they need to go out and compete even if they have that i don't know anything about, much about music but if they're just coming in as a hobbyist then that's fine even if they don't if they do then you know if they're not going to do another one because they haven't get, gotten gold then i definitely suggest that you continue on if they just realize they don't like it but it's like you know you really need to be honest with, your, with yourself I was surprised. I heard Boogie on a podcast and I never knew. He said he lost all of his white belt tournaments and he's like such high level. So yeah. I bring him up in conversation if the topic comes up. And I then, I then I forgot when that came up and I was talking to one of my teammates and then I was trying to think of mine of, like what ones I won at white belt, and if I remember them all, I think I just won my last one. You know, the one right before blue belt. There were ones where I got draws before, like Ebiot. But it wasn't with my thinking. I'm like, I'm just getting in practice. Just get back in there. Just get back in there. Just get back in there. Mm-hmm. Which I sometimes don't take enough time to let it sink in, or I used to not back then. Let it sink in, or if I would win, celebrate. Like I was always like, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next they want to get better definitely keep doing it because it's not about that because i i always said i've I've been more proud of certain tournaments that i lost than ones that i won like there was one when i was a blue belt i don't she was going to pass and i kind of just clotheslined her yanked her the other way like using my strength i don't even know what i was doing but i ended up winning that tournament and i was like uh you know what i mean like everything yeah yeah not impressive. There are other ones where, like, I gave my all, and I always say my personal goals. Like, I want to make sure my breathing's good. I want to make sure I have positive self talk. I want to go for X, Y, or Z technique or submission and then mm. if I do all them then I'm like I won even if I don't win and that's where ones I was very proud of where it's like oh I did this and that and I really gave my all you know I may not have won but I did everything I wanted to do because like I said I have one it as a blue belt where we were standing the whole time I went into overtime I think like two or three or four times and then I got the takedown and I won I'm like there was in mm. no so just about the mat time, getting the mat time in and practicing. And it's just improve, It's just improving your game, but at another level with the anxiety and the crowd and all the other factors.
0: Your thoughts on the future of jiu-jitsu?
1: Well, I hope it keeps growing, and I feel like it definitely has with women. So I hope that keeps happening. Just the Eddie shows and any of the new ones being on UFC Fight Pass, they end up being right. televised.
0: Medusa he, looks amazing, yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, like I said, you know, they're on UFC Fight Pass now, so that it keeps growing, that he has the combat jujitsu, like he says, it brings the two worlds kind of together for the UFC Fight Fans, Than with the jujitsu, that they have that. I feel like just how much it's grown so far, that it's going to keep expanding at mm. that rate, and then it just be more popular, like I say, especially for the women. I would like to see that, especially for the women. It's not so so lopsided, because it's still so male-dominated.
0: And can you tell some practitioners you admire?
1: Eddie, naturally. I mean, I looked him up when I went in. I really like somebody with a story. I liked his whole story, his background and everything he built. And I feel like he was the perfect master for me because I have been called militant and I already have like the natural discipline. So like laid back.
0: Yeah, you guys seem very yin-yang.
1: So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it has helped me a lot just being around him. A lot of the 10th, definitely Geo and Boogie, like I said, they were like brothers to me. And they were always at HQ when I first started. So I was like in awe of their progression and how fast they progressed. And just their aim. I mean, everything that they do is very impressive. And like I said, Nathan and Phil, they were always around nathan to this day it's like i I always say i'm a big fan of his because most important who he is as a person he's just a very good human from my experience being around him and then his game like he's always going for it and he always has very exciting game
0: one thing i do want to touch on really is the importance of uh sort of what you're doing, you know, and how important it is in terms of coaching for physical aspects, mental aspects, dietary coaching for individuals and what a what a level up that is for someone who can take advantage of that type of opportunity.
1: Yeah, I love it. And part of the reason I do take care of myself is going back. I want to do jujitsu as long as I possibly can. You know, even if you don't do jujitsu, just taking care of yourself to feel better.
0: Goal planning is, a lot of people don't do that.
1: Right. I plan everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, like I said, you are saying the yin and yang. It's like sometimes I have to be like chill out, Jen. Everything doesn't have to be planned. Go with the flow a little bit.
0: I was wondering if, like, you're one of those nerds that has like the your to do apps and stuff like that, but you you're not a techie, so I imagine there's notebooks, probably, right?
1: Yes, yes, a lot of notebooks. a lot of goals, a lot of to do lists. And that's actually was something for my growth to shorten my to do list. I overwhelm myself too many things that I want to do. That's why when I was talking about the book, it's like, you know, well, clients, jujitsu, competing, taking care of my dog. And then like, basically what I have to do every day, it's like the book is last on the list. So I like had to come to terms with that's going to take a while, but I, I work on it diligently, just a little little tiny bit at a time.
0: Well, Jennifer, where can the listeners get more information about you and find out everything that you're up to?
1: My website is jenniferdietrich.com. So it's easy, it's my name. And then my Instagram, jenniferdietrich10p, email jenniferdietrich.com, but that's also on my website. And I'm on Facebook as well and Twitter.
0: All right, everyone. Well, thanks again for listening and watching out there. And please give us the whole five-star review on Spotify and Apple Music and all the places. And I'm your host, Adolfo Ferranda. Jennifer, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it.